You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Lee Carraher. She is founder and CEO of Double Forte. She's also an author and a speaker. We're going to talk to her a little bit about what people can do to engage their employees, what people can do to really drive culture, what we can do with selling and marketing. We're recording this beginning of April, and so uh, we expect that people are going to be hopefully kind of coming out of or at least starting to think about their plans coming out of the COVID situation. And we talk a little bit about you know some of the things people can do to start planning the recovery, start figuring out where they're going to land, what their business models are going to be. It's going to be a, obviously a very different world. Hopefully, we can we can talk about some insights that people can use to navigate some of the challenges they're going to face. So, with that, Lee, welcome to the program. Bruce, thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. So, before we kind of dig into the topics and help people figure out how they're going to navigate some of the COVID stuff, tell us a little bit about your background. So, you're an author, you're a CEO, you're an expert in marketing and social media. What was the backstory? How did you get into this business? Sure. What was the <laughs> what was the uh, the journey that you've been on? Well. The truth is that I, I went to college in uh, way, way ago, a long time ago, and I have a degree <laughs> in medieval history, which is very practical. Wow, and interesting. And I didn't know what um, the history department wanted me to go forward and the music department wanted to go forward in music. And what I knew about myself was that I'm not good at focusing on one thing and that I, would, I wouldn't I would be an A player if yeah. I only did one thing. My friend Ramona said, hey, you should try out PR. And I said, what is PR? <laughs> and Personal record? She, she said, Go over the career. I was at college at the time. I was working at the college one year after I graduated. So I went over the career center. There was a book. What is PR? So I read it and I said, hey, that looks like me. So I have been in public relations communication since I graduated from college oh so long ago in agencies and in-house. And I started my own agency, this agency, Double Forte, in 2002, two or three crises ago. And never really, you know, I had it in, I started the company because uh, I needed to be, I needed to have flexibility to be where I needed to be. My mother had gotten sick in Wisconsin. I lived in California and I realized the two jobs I was up for would I could not take. I would either have to withdraw or quit to be with my mom. So I started two agencies for Interpublic in between 99, you know, in 1999, 98. Mm-hmm. And so I had, I knew something about it. And then I started my own in 2002, not really thinking how long I would have the business, but here I am 18 years later. And you know, I started the farm before Twitter. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> now have become an expert in that too, because it all communicates. Anything yeah. communication, we do. The service, the function is the same. The service is very different in so many ways. But that is sort of the journey of getting from where the hell was I to where I am now. Yeah, no, that's a great one. <laughs> I love the medieval history. Yeah. <laughs> there, oh there, my there's goodness. probably some interesting things you apply around medieval history and right you now. You know, I have to say, Black Plague. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. And then um, along the way, in the last few years, I have, I'm a member of EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, which is like YPO for Entrepreneurs, which is a one, if you're not in it and you qualify, I highly recommend. And out of the Gestalt um, process, which is sharing your experience, not your advice, I wrote two books. One is Millennials in Management. After 2008, I changed the business model to have young people in our agency, which we hadn't had until that moment, and almost killed the company because I did not understand the generation that was coming in. And then the second book is called The Boomerang Principle, which is companies that allow and encourage people to return have a higher, you know, just have a higher level of expertise and have a higher preponderance for success than those that don't, which probably is more relevant right now than yeah. the first one. So yeah. there we go. <laughs> uh, interesting how that how that's playing out. Yeah, highly encourage EO. Been a longtime member and um, have yeah. gained a lot from it. Both both being a member, being in leadership, uh, we've mm-hmm. got a lot of EO uh, listeners I know on the program here. So uh, yeah. great to hear that you're part of that organization. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the sort of the people side of things because you know clearly sure. pe- you know this you know all the work at home the disruption to the economy, to the business process, pretty much, I mean, I would say, mm-hmm. you know, 99% of businesses are, are significantly impacted. You know, a lot of folks are laying people off, are putting people on furlough, are, you know, figuring out how to reduce their expenses. And obviously payroll for a lot of companies, certainly service-based companies is a, the biggest element in, in many cases. So uh, let's, let's talk a little mm-hmm. bit about, I guess, maybe some of the strategies, uh, g- given some of the strategies people have used, what they can do, should they need to be kind of bringing people back. Um, I mean, I've seen people do anything from, you know, just across the board salary reductions. I've seen people do furloughs. Mm-hmm. I've seen people do, you know, moving people to part-time work, zero hour part-time you know, schedules, right. things like there's all these yeah. kind of crazy things. Some people are just doing straight up layoffs. You know, obviously all the, I mean, we'll just kind of see how these government uh, programs are kind of playing out, you yeah. know, that encourage people to keep people on payroll. But, you know, given the fact that most people have downsized their organization, how does a company start to look at, rebuilding, restaffing? Should I be going after my existing staff? Should I be looking at new staff? What are some of the things or suggestions that you might have for folks as they start this process? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. If you're an independent service agency company, you probably will actually have some opportunity on the other side of it, depending on the nature of your business. We compete with a lot of publicly traded agencies. We're much smaller, obviously hugely smaller, but you're always going to have bigger competition. Where you can be most nimble is where you can have the most opportunity for growth. In 2008, my agency actually grew at the end of the year because we offered a great service at such a reduced cost because we had didn't have the overhead. So one, I think, you know, if you're, you're looking at your business, do that. On the people side, you know, in a service firm, your asset is your people. And a few things on that, your, your, how many people you have, how much you pay them, all that kind of stuff is built on a business model. So I would say the first piece is you may be too soon to know what the business model should be going forward in June, July. It takes a while to have it settle out and see what happens. And depending on how these government programs work or don't, there'll be, you know, sort of, you know, it'll have an impact on that. So the first piece, I think, is even if it's an interim step, thinking about what is the change in the business model I should make right now? Because I think it's a mistake to not change a business model when or not to evaluate it, at least when something like this has happened, because the world has just changed and the business model that got you to the point where this pain came to you, you didn't create the pain, 
will have an impact, you know, is not the business model that you should assume will go forward. So that's yeah. the first piece. I guess how aggressive should people be on this in terms of kind of experimenting with different models, you know, playing around with different offerings? And, uh, mm-hmm. and actually, I'm kind of curious on pricing strategy, too. I mean, you mentioned this whole that coming out of this, you'll be able to or possibly pick up business yep. from your larger competitors by having, you know, better call it a value proposition. But I guess how aggressive should people kind of treat these new models? How aggressive should people be on pricing? Should you you know, really go aggressive mm-hmm. on pricing to kind of gain leads uh, for how long? Are you going to I, kind of um, dig yourself? Yeah, what, on, um, I think on modeling, you're not going to know for sure. I think you you make a best guess and then you put a time frame into when you should evaluate again or a threshold in. So, you know, coming in June, I think it's still too early to, you know, redo everything in your business model. But you might say, but you might say, OK, June and then I'm going to we're going to really reevaluate this in December for to 2021. Right. Because a lot of things are going to shake out. I mean, it's just going to take a long time. But my only my point is that we shouldn't assume that the business model we were winning with will be the business model we would win with in the future. Yeah. yeah. Number one. Number two on on people and pricing. I'm not a bottom feeder. I don't believe in bottom feeding. <laughs> a race to the bottom is never going to be a successful thing for anybody. Yeah. You're just going to always be a catfish on the bottom. And at the same time, what is reasonable and who you compete with, who do you compete with and what are they burdened with that you are not, mm-hmm. then I would take advantage of that. So for in 2008, like I mentioned, we were independent public relations firm in San Francisco. We didn't have a New York office. We did. Everybody was in the office and everyone was working from home one or two times a week. And we were competing with huge companies, with publicly traded companies that had very little flexibility in their business model, very little flexibility with people with being able to say yes or no to a client, mm-hmm. they had to return to the street. Well, when you're independent and not having to return to the street, you have a lot more levels you can pull in a competitive marketplace. So what we did was not reduce our pricing, but freeze our pricing because it was at the end of the year. If you recall, we were about yeah. to make an increase. So we were about to make an increase. We froze the pricing and we kept that pricing until 2011, I think. So three full years yeah. uh, where we would have seen an increase. But that was the market, you know. So yeah. if you're not meeting the market, you don't have a business in service. So yeah. and what did that mean for and then we rolled it back down, right? So if that's what the pricing is, we froze it, we and didn't increase it, then what did would it mean to getting more and people were, that was one first thing. The second thing was people are going to want more for less. Mm-hmm. So how do we get more output at the same cost? Because we weren't going to reduce our costs. But for the clients who were going to be attracted to us, they were going to feel a reduced cost because we were in a position to take on companies that may not have looked at a smaller independent in the past. So what was the value we we're going to bring no matter what? You know, depending on the client, we slid it around a bit, frankly. Mm-hmm. You know, what were they what were they used to expecting? Yeah. We're always going to deliver the highest level of service possible because that's where you win, right? You don't win by doing less. You win by doing more than your competitors at a reasonable rate because coming from the bottom and trying to regain from that is virtually impossible. And then from a people perspective, uh, we at that, that, what we have done right now, you know, we've cut all our contractors, we've frozen all our our salaries and we I'm going to keep those freezes in place for anybody over a hundred thousand dollars and the under hundred thousand dollar people because I haven't figured out a model yet will stay frozen at least till September and then we'll reevaluate that so you know there's a lot of levers to pull the most important thing is to be focused on what do you offer to the market who are you competing with and what are the things that they're going to be burdened with or not 
and then rolling back on that. Yeah. How do you gather this information? I mean, are there strategies that you suggest people use to, you know, either talk to customers, to, you know, survey what the competition is doing, to, you know, kind of forecast a little bit about what the changing needs might be in the coming months and quarters? Mm -hmm. I think depending on your business and where you operate, you probably have some of this intel anyway. The people who were expensive before are going to be expensive again because they're not going to get rid of, they can't shed the, and this is where the PR part's in, it's really hard to shed your um, reputation. <laughs> if you're cheap, you were cheap. If you did a bad job, you do a bad job. If you were too expensive, you're too expensive. You know, that doesn't, those perceptions don't change overnight. Yeah. So understand what your reputation is and what are the reputations of the people that you compete with in different categories, you know, the different associations. So in my category, I'm actually on the board of the Public Relations Council, of the, which is the National Association for Public Relations Agencies. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of information on yeah. that. But your trade, you know, whatever your trade is, is, whatever your publications are, they are right now doing everything they can to gather all this information and to provide their readers with as much valuable stuff as possible. So I'd be reading everything, yeah. everything I can on this. And I think the important piece is like, who are we? What do we offer? What is our reputation? And I would pick up the phone, you know, I'm in the process now picking up the phone to clients and saying, okay, what first, what can we do for you? Whatever it is, I'm not selling you anything. Yeah. What can I do for you? And then on the other side of this, we'll be saying, well, what should we, I'll be asking the most, my most trusted clients, what they think we need to do to be more relevant in the city, right? So that don't do it in a vacuum, right? Hopefully you have a peer group in your industry or a peer group among like an EO or something like that. But you know what your, you should know what your reputation is. If you don't know, go find out. It's easy to do. Yeah. Easy to do. And ask, um, ask for honest feedback because if yeah. people are just, oh, you guys are great, you know, they're lying to you. <laughs> Everybody can improve. Everybody yeah, exactly. can improve. Yeah. You guys, we love you guys. I mean, in fact, the client said to me, you know what, Lee? I relatively have a relatively strong opinion. You know what, Lee? We love you. We love your team. We love everybody. But what we need from you right now is for you not to be bossy. I'm like, all right, done. Yeah. Because it's just, I have a very strong opinion. I've been through these kinds of, well, not this kind of thing before. And their CEO is not willing to hear anything. Well, if you're not willing to hear anything, can we just agree that you're not going to hear anything? And we'll do the best we can given that situation. Yeah. So fine, right? (laughs) So I have a reputation of being strong-minded, depending on the person, maybe bossy. I hate that word for a woman, but whatever it is. And doing great work. My team does excellent work. I mean, we have that reputation, but we do have the reputation for having a strong opinion and and pushing the envelope on it. Well, my meeting right now is not the time to push the envelope on your strong opinion when the people that you serve may not be willing or able or capable of hearing your expertise. Yeah. Yeah, it's always the case. I find that the... um, People's greatest strengths end up becoming, you know, weaknesses depending on the context. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's really kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it's not about it's not about you know trying to level that out necessarily. It's just understanding no. the contextual nature of it, and, and yeah, having a strategy saying, hey, look, in these times, I know that my strategy, my winning strategy, you know, and that I normally use, you know, doesn't work or isn't as appropriate in these cases. So I'm going to have you know Plan B in these contexts. Um, yeah. So, yeah. One thing I, that I, I have a group. Of that's in San Francisco and in New York. I have an office in New York as well. I have small informal groups of agencies that don't sort of, we overlap a little bit, but we're not direct competitors. And I've been on the phone with mostly the San Francisco crew, just thinking of all these things through because we refer businesses to each other all the time. 
but everyone's sort of struggling with, okay. Uh, and I just asked them, like, what's our reputation? Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about so-and-so? What do you think about, you know, this agency? What do you think about that agency? Yeah. What have you heard? You know, kind of stuff. Because the more input you have, the better decision you can make. Yeah, no, exactly. And and now's the time to collect data, even even if, yeah. even if you can't take decisive action right now because things are still playing Absolutely. out and you're trying to let things kind of settle or at least work themselves out in terms of what is the new normal going to be. You can certainly collect information. You can certainly stay, you know, on top of things, uh, keep your finger on the pulse of, mm-hmm. of what's going on. So let's talk about people a little bit and culture and yeah. staffing. So, you know, assuming that many service-based companies have, you know, downsized or furloughed or, or have done various things to reduce their payroll and are now, you know, are hopefully looking forward to staffing back up to some level. What are the kind of things you need to consider? How do you, you know, potentially even take advantage of this opportunity to kind of retool a little bit? How should you mm-hmm. approach the whole kind of talent side of your business as right. you kind of focus on recovery and rebuilding and pivoting? So hopefully you're in a strong position with your employees where that you have, depending on what you had to do or decisions you made back in April or March or whatever it was, that you are on good terms, right? And you can, you know, in any moment in time, you have to control how well you do this action, whatever it is, layoff, firing, furlough, reduced payroll, whatever it is. Number one, if you haven't also taken the payroll, if you got cut, if you haven't also participated in the pain, do not expect anybody to return to you. So if you haven't done that yet, take some pain right now and take some so that you can share you can be part of the group that is has been in pain because just working extra hours is not pain. That is our job. We're leaders of independent firms or service firms. Hello, that's the deal. Yeah. That's what you signed up for when you had when you decided to do this. So assuming that you've taken part of the pain and you've looked at, you know, what is the current base? What do we have? What do they want from us right now? And what do we think the best way to service that for the future is? Then bringing people off furlough, you know, is the least but you don't have to bring everybody off at the same time, mm-hmm. right? The benefit of the furlough is that people can look for work and they can still have health health care, yeah. right? And that you your intention is to bring them back. Yeah. So that's the, the great benefit of the furlough. Pain for them, pain for you, and you're giving them health care, which is the biggest thing, right? Yeah. And the, the stigma, I guess, of being furloughed and not laid off is, is better. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to matter, frankly. Laid off, furloughed, fired. It's not going to matter in yeah. June, July, the yeah. rest of the year yeah. for yeah. the person who that was impacted. Yeah. So first, like, is this the team that you want? You know, what were the things that were 80% of the time were great and then 20% of the time were a pain in the ass? Mm-hmm. Well, did that just change? I mean, so for instance, in my own experience from the downturn in 2008, I said to everybody, we had got, you know, we were doing really, I went gone from myself to 18 people. We were picking and choosing what we wanted to work with. I had actually decided I was going to work four days a week. And then on September 14th, I decided four days a week. On September 15th, I was like eight days a week. And hopefully we don't have to lay everybody off, you know. And on Wednesday, I had a staff meeting that week. And I said, okay, here's what we're doing. Freezing this, cutting that, blah, blah, blah. And I said, the most important thing, the most important thing is that our clients cannot hear us say no, even if that's the right answer. Our Mm -hmm. clients have to hear us say yes, even if we're not going to do it. Meaning they call and they say, hey, I have an idea. Let's do this. And you think it's the stupidest idea on the planet. And you don't say no. Well, how about this instead? Because a client look, you're in the service business to Uh help people and to take things off their shoulders. And if they just keep hearing no from you, they will go find someone who says yes. So instead of saying yes, it's a great idea. I want you to say, 
huh, interesting. Let me bounce it along here and then I'll get back to you within, you know, within a day. So they haven't heard you say no. You've built some time to come back to them with a better idea that is, but you can couch it in their yes, right? So that was the first piece. And everybody who didn't get to be easy to work with, I cut in January, even if I didn't have to. Yeah. Because that was the first piece. So that'll be the first piece on this. So I might say, I think we're pretty easy to work with right now because yeah. um, we'd already moved to that with because we saw some softness. We were all anticipating softness coming into 2020. In fact, we have a theme every year. And our theme we said in January is reimagine wow. who would have thunk, right? Yeah. So if being easy to work with for us was the critical thing for service and people weren't willing to switch, they had to go. Yeah. Um, another example is in you know the way we communicate today, nothing has changed more in the last, since I started this company in the world and how we communicate. And some people didn't want to learn it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that, Lee. Well, if you're not going to do it, then you can't work here. So we put those thresholds into place. Like, what do we need to move forward no matter what? And we said it out loud. Here's what we expect from everybody. And if people weren't willing to do it, or if they said yes and then acted differently, they had to go. So that's the first piece, I think, is setting a vision. Don't just assume you bring everybody back into the same position because nothing changed. No, something has dramatically changed. It's your job to set a vision and to paint the picture of what you want, even if it's going to change, because you know it's going to change, and then lay out the conditions that you think are incredibly important for your business to succeed. And if your people aren't willing to do those conditions and you aren't willing to model them, then, you know, they got to go. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one because it's both the business model. It's understanding, okay, well, how are we going to be successful in this new world? But then it's also this, okay, well, then who do we need? Like, what's what exactly. are the people we need? And let's take this as an opportunity to really, you know, make sure that we're sharpening the axe here. And, you know, given the new model, how do we get the best and the brightest? I mean, honestly, the fact is, is there's going to be a lot of talent on the market, you know, and, they, and you know, so for those people that do kind of figure out a workable business model and start getting some traction, now is the time to get the best talent you can for the best price you can. And, you know, obviously the, you know, it's, it's a horrible situation that we're going through, but it is going to mean that the people that come out of this reasonably healthy and can, you know, get traction and start to build are going to have a huge advantage because there's going to be a lot of really great people that are really looking to work. And so if you can take advantage of that, you're going to, you're going to have a leg up. I um, think the same piece at the same time though, Bruce, just to interrupt yeah, for a second, is yeah. how you treat the people who are, you're not going to keep. Mm -hmm. You know, how can you help them? Where can you make some phone calls? How can you look at their resume? Whatever you can do to help those people, because those people are going to go into the world and they yep. will eventually, you know, hopefully you hired only good people. They just don't fit right now, yep. right? They're going to go into the world and they can help you or hurt you. And this is the point of my second book, Boomerang, right? Is that let everybody at least have a strong position to help you. So if you can make some phone calls, if you can give them contract work, if you can, whatever it is, right? yep. keep, keep them furloughed for a while so they can have health care. Treat them well. Yeah. then you'll be in a better position for them to help you later. So if they go find a business, go find a job, and they need a partner, they immediately think of you. That yeah. so they're not out there sowing bad seeds for you because it's already going to be hard enough. It was hard enough before this thing. It's going to be hard enough to get traction. What you don't need is a lot of people out there griping about how you treated them. Now, can you can you control the griping even if you treated them well? No, you can't, but you need to be in a defensible position for that. And that's your strength will come in the future based on how you treat your people today. 
no matter if you keep them or don't. Yeah, that, you know, the thing I find about that is if you treat them well, treat them with respect, do what you can to help them, even if they choose to kind of gripe about that regardless, generally what I find is people know that they will tend to gripe. <laughs> They're kind of gripers. Yeah. So, so that yeah. it will kind of tease out or it will work itself out. And, and I can't tell you how many how many previous employees ended up becoming clients. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. they, they go yeah. off and become Please, you know, right? experts in, uh, you know, they go over to client side, they become the director mm-hmm. of you know, such and such, and all of a sudden they're hiring you. So, I mean, it's not just about, hey, I might want them back someday, or they may refer somebody in, but you you may you may have to report into them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they may, they may well, become your client. It's a small world, right? And it's oh, became yeah. much, much smaller. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole idea that if they leave me, they're dead to me is gone. You cannot have that point of view. And the other point of view, which is if they leave me, I don't care about them anymore. You also cannot have that point of view yeah. because you need to care about everybody who's any ever touched you. Yeah ever touched you because they can all carry a thing. The one thing I would do if you're, well, I would do it for everybody, I guess, go look at Glassdoor and see what people are saying now, right? And you can measure that over time because it's a high degree of gripers. But uh, if you're looking at competition versus yourself and all that kind of stuff, you can do it. You can measure well based on what is going, again, you have to take a grain of salt, but you can do at least a directional measure of yourself if people are talking there or are others in your market so you can see some things. So, you know, there's, um, it is all about the people. If you're in a service business, it's all about how your people show up, how they deliver, how they represent. And so you chose these people to come into your business. Are they not staying with your business because you don't have the business or because they didn't perform or because they're on the bubble or because you changed your model or because you're dropping that service? They can all hurt you mm-hmm. and they can all help you. And, yeah, the, and exactly. I, my, my guess and my experience is the more you people will help you when they can if you've treated them well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very true, and I and you know karma, <laughs> karma, yeah. karma plays a role in this, and, and it can take a long time too. Sometimes this is years yeah. later that this comes up. I've seen it happen too many times. Oh, um, so true. Uh, do not play a short game on this because uh, you will you either win or lose years later when this actually comes to bear. Oh, then there's some war stories from 2008, from 2012, from 2002 that people are still you know your reputation follows you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So and if you need to correct your reputation, if you need to you. You know, if someone says, you know, you guys suck, mm-hmm. you, you're greedy, you shortchange people, you're nickel and dime everybody. Well, now is the time to listen to them and then figure out a, a way forward that doesn't preclude you from growth because those things will. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. I, th- I find it happening on the other side with clients, you know, those clients that are, you know, treating you well, you know, doing what they can to pay invoices versus, you know, clients that are taking advantage of the situation, you know, not communicating with you. You know, I think the, the flip side is happening for a lot of folks oh. as they're going to go through this process. So there may be there may be some client side you know, assessments you want to do coming out of the other side. We are so fortunate in Double Forte, most, you know, 99.9, we don't have 100 clients, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, we've been in high communication with them. Some have had, to, you know, there's things that they've had to do. One client who will never be a client again, uh-huh. pulled force majeure yeah. on us, even though they decided to, it's not going to stand up. And in the process of it, actually called back and said, we'd really like you to keep moving with us. I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> absolutely not. Are you kidding me? No. The only way we would do this is here's what you'd have to pay us. And yeah. I, I doubled the cost and I had it all done yeah, up exactly. front because there's no way yeah. I'm putting my team, myself, 
myself and my agency at risk for people who treat people, you know, for a company organization who treats people like that. Yeah. So, and then literally this was two weeks ago. And then last week someone called Lee. Um, I thought you guys handled this, this company. Yep, we did. And, oh, they want to work with us. I'm like, well, here's what I would do. And even in this time when everyone needs every dime, they're like, nope, won't do it. Yeah. Cause I know, look, I, it's, you know, short-term pain, like everyone's, you know, in, in short-term pain right now. But I think, you know, the people that have been through a couple of these cycles know that uh, the decisions you make now, you're going to have to live with for, you know, several ever. years. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if not ever. And so, yes, it can be really painful to, to say no to, you know, immediate income, but that means years of, you know, trying to service a painful client or someone who's not really aligned with your values is, is not a long-term decision. So, and yeah. that's the hard, the hard yeah. part of leadership, hard part of it's running so business. Hard. Yeah. It's so hard. And I think, yeah, it's just the long game is what you have to play, you know, even if it's, Ramen noodles for was, a couple well, of weeks, yeah, right? a couple months. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. may have a bag of those in my yeah. closet right <laughs> exactly. now. Just saying, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, um, it's tough. You know, nothing's me. easy about this, um, oh, yeah. and. I mean, I just encourage all your listeners to make sure that you're taking the moment to time to say, what is the go forward? What are we going to keep offering? What are we not going to keep offering? What do people need? What are people calling for right now? Because that's the need right now. Will that be the need later? The other piece is who are the learners in my organization? Yeah. Because if you're, you know, you're a member of VO, so you're constantly learning. You're, con- you know, the learners are going to be the ones who help us win. And if people aren't willing to learn, now is the time to cut them. Yeah. Well, the fact is, I mean, you're going to, as much as you can kind of play around with different business models and find some traction in areas, you're going to have a lot more change, you know, over the next year or two. And you, you've got to be adjusting quickly. And if your organization is not able to pivot, you know, as new information comes in and, and you see new opportunities, you know, you're just, you're going to fall behind. So yeah, making sure that you're, you're, you're building a team, which is a, you know, learning organization and, uh, is going to be able to process and respond to information quickly is going to be key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Lee, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best place to get that information? The best place to get the information is LeeCarher.com, L-E-E-C-A-R-A-H-E-R.com. You can get to my agency, Double Forty, from there. You can find my books there. You can follow me on Twitter at, at LeeCarher. It's really easy to find me. Or LinkedIn, Lee Carher. I don't know. It's crazy. But I blog about <laughs> these topics all the time and we offer free assessments and all that kind of stuff if people just want to like email me and say what about this i will give them an answer awesome i'll make sure that those links are in the show notes so people can click through and get it thanks so much for taking some time i always love having eo members on great conversation you know like i said i think this is going to be key for folks as they kind of come out of this and figure out what their strategies are business models next steps managing reputations it's a lot of great information a lot of helpful strategies here i appreciate it thank you bruce so much You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.